May God continue to bless you, for you have been a blessing. God bless you as you always choose to bless us. And it is my prayer and trust and very confident uh, trust that whatever you're doing, uh, your labors, your sacrifices, they are not in vain. Uh, I'll ask uh, the youth to stay behind. I'm not sure if Sunday school is going, but are they staying behind too? I think Sunday school is going. Sunday school, we love you. We will miss you for a few minutes, uh, but we will see you very soon. Uh, for the rest of us, well, even Sunday school, welcome to Dominion Church, a place where love is alive. It is my delight to see all of you this afternoon. I see some faces that I haven't seen in a really long time, uh, like the handsome face of Marvin and Elisha. I am so thrilled to see you in the house. God bless you. Where did Marvin go? <coughs> Elisha, Marvin, you want to do? Okay, went to the bathroom. I just want to extend a very sincere welcome to all of you that have chosen to be here with us uh, this afternoon. And it is my pleasure that I stand before you this afternoon. This, uh, this afternoon, we, we are pleased to announce a few things, uh, testimonies on my end, but also as a ministry. So I want to thank God for a lot of things that says welcome to DCI, Dominion Church International. And I would like to emphasize that, that when you choose to come here, there is something that it does to, first of all, the person standing up here. I tell you, it, it is, it's scary to talk to people uh, because there's so many nerves that are involved. But it is really difficult to talk to chairs. So when you come here and occupy those chairs, uh, it, it makes this work a little bit uh, alive. So uh, good for you that you chose to be here. But it is my trust and hope and confident uh, belief that God did not bring you here just coincidentally, but by some coincidences you ended up to be here. You were right here because of a reason, and it is my trust that that reason will come to pass by the time we are out of here. I have uh, just a, a few quick testimonies be, uh, or comments before I start, before we start our service, before we start our ceremony. And the first one is the, the youth panel that we had last Sunday. I don't know how many of you attended. I was moved. I was moved. And I want to thank the youth. Uh, I know that Clarissa uh, was part of the panel that was here. I was part of that panel. Uh, that makes me a youth. Uh, some of you have difficulties uh, with that. Uh, Julian was uh, up here and, and uh, other people that are not here. Mitrick was uh, up here. So I want to, in a special way, thank uh, you, but also all those who attended. So continue to do things like that. And we promise you as a church, we are going to not keep our, uh, our what's the word? We won't keep a blind eye on needs, that the needs that we have as a church, uh, it is clear that there are so many needs around attending to the youth that, uh, that is present in our church, and I promise you that uh, we will do our very best to accommodate that, not even just accommodate, but to make sure that we maximize uh, that uh, opportunity or to respond to those needs. And that was one of the ways. Uh, there are some things the youth discuss 
that we may not typically talk about on a regular Sunday service. So you know, I want you to know that we will make all the time for that. A uh, couple of months ago, I started uh, my internship. For those of you who might know, uh, it's been one of the most, uh, oh boy, I don't even know what the words to use. It, it gave me a bald head. You thought I had a bald head? It really was killing me. But I really want to thank my hand for it put in words. It's, uh, yeah, sometimes it takes moments like that to really appreciate, I think I'm crying as I say this, to really appreciate the people around you. Because I could compare myself to the people in the program who did not have the kind of support that I had, and there was a significant difference. So thank you, my wife. I love you. And thank you, my son, Tendo and, and Kisa, because when... <coughs> When dad is all taken up in his homework and dad takes his homework quite seriously, <laughs> dad does not want to get, uh, I don't know, what are they called? D's and those kind of grades. Dad wants to get an A. And it takes so much from daddy to be able to do that. But it makes a difference when the people around him are actually supportive and understanding. And that's exactly what they have done. So thank you so much. I felt in my spirit that I had to say something about that. So I'm almost there. Then I'm um, thankful for my son, how he went to a Bible camp, and when he came back, it was amazing the things that were just, uh, he had this thing that was flowing from him, and it was just flowing scriptures. We have this thing that uh, we do at home, I, <laughs> when he says, if we can quote a scripture and, and reference it, he gets a dollar for that. So when he came back, yeah, I don't know, he took like maybe four dollars right away from me. And yeah, I encourage you to do that. If you can quote me a scripture and reference it, Marvin, I will uh, always have a dollar for that. You do that, just know that there's a dollar from the pastor. Smona, you, hear, you heard that? Yeah, if you can quote it, so where you, you, it comes from, you don't have to, to explain it, just quote it, and you will get a dollar for yourself. Uh, adults, it might be a chapter or <laughs> But we'll start from somewhere. Even adults, we can, we can, Morris, we can start from uh, maybe two verses. Two verses, one dollar. Children, one verse, one dollar. Yes. Uh, whatever, something else I wanted to make a comment here before I start. Uh, I, I want to thank those of you who attended uh, the community engagement that was there, Buganda Quantico uh, Barbecue. I, I could tell that Dominion Church was represented and I want you to, to know that anytime you do that, we are witnessing. And those are our three words that we stand on, the word, worship, and witnessing. So, but it's very important how you, you represent the church while you're up there. Uh, Mr. Chigozi, one of the biggest ambassadors of Dominion Church, can never thank him enough. He represents the church in so many ways, and may God continue to bless you and give you the strength. I don't know how you get the strength to do that. You are unbelievable. May God continue to bless you. So my invitation here is when the community has stuff like that, let us represent. Because when you do that, you're actually fulfilling what we are standing on as a church. Those are three words, word worship and witnessing. So thank you, uh, those of you who attended. Uh, a quick comment, uh, something about the building project with Sister Doreen. 
Miss Sister Doreen O. Oh, she is the Sunday school teacher. So many of you know Sister Doreen as the Sunday school teacher. Uh, something I want to comment about here quickly. After the, the message that Pastor presented here, uh, in light of trying to get people excited about the building project, uh, there, was, there was some feedback around, uh, what's the word, coercion. That, that some people experienced uh, that approach as a coercion. I want you to hear that I spent uh, maybe a good 45 minutes speaking with pastor about that. And he, you cannot uh, understand how, how, how he was grieved to, to hear that that is, that is how he was received. And he wants you to know that if anything, it was excitement. He was excited about the idea that actually this could potentially happen. Just even a little possibility. I think excited him quite a bit, and I don't know who would not be excited. I would personally be excited. When I was sent that list of people and the names they have given, I was moved. I was excited. That's why the Sunday that followed, I came here all in heaven thanking you uh, so much. So on that note, uh, if any of you put down an amount they did not really willingly put, I want you to know that we can reconsider that. So the amount that you are going to contribute towards the building project, it is very important to us that that amount is accompanied with your willingness, your cheerfulness, your joy. If it comes with any grudging uh, uh, ideas, that might uh, cause a big problem to, to the building itself. So I am inviting you to reconsider if you put down an amount that you do not feel in your spirit, that that is what you desire to contribute to the building project. Please reconsider that amount and uh, communicate to Sister Doreen the amount that you, in your spirit, and take some time to think about that. And then when you're ready, you come to Sister Doreen with that updated amount. So I had to also make a comment about that. And those of you uh, who are ready to visit uh, Sister Agnes, uh, I commend you for that. I will be joining you as well. Sincere condolences to those of you who have lost dear ones uh, over the past week, over the past couple of weeks. Uh, it is my prayer and, and hope that you find some comfort in knowing that there is such a thing as a Dominion Church family and you can know that you can lean on on some of those people that we call Dominion Church family. That was a lot of things to say before. Uh, it tells you how long I have taken without standing on this pulpit. Welcome to Dominion Church. We do have a, a message for, for today, and the title of the message which we're going to read as we stand is Noticing the Servant's Towel. Could you say that one more time? Noticing the servant's towel. We're going to read that just one more time. Noticing the servant's towel. You may be seated. And that is our title for the message today. Noticing the servant's towel. So if you look uh, clearly in the background there, you see a towel and uh, what else do you see? <coughs> a bathroom. A basin. You see a basin and a towel. <coughs> uh, one of the things I've come to really appreciate about uh, scripture is to take the time to look at the context. When you take the time to look at the context, you, you actually enjoy any passage more than you would have if you had ignored the context. So here is the context. In those days, 
It was uh, a Hebrew tradition for uh, like a homeowner or a, a host to wash uh, their guests' feet. And you know why? Because almost everybody in those days uh, wore sandals, just like those images that you've seen of Jesus. They, they wore sandals and they walked in sand. So those of you who grew up in Uganda might relate to this. They walked in sand and by the time you make it to the place where you're going, by all means, your feet are dusty and they are all full of sand. So it was a gesture of welcome. It was a refreshing gesture for when you get to the house, there is a basin and a tail, but there was always something else. There was a servant. And that servant was on standby to make sure that these guests are taken care of. And th what that means, their feet get washed before they can sit, before they can be welcomed to the living room. So that is the context. And I want you to pay very close attention to that context because it is going to do quite a bit of how we are to take or understand or interpret this uh, passage that we are looking at today. But before I even go to the next uh, comment around, my con around the context of this scripture, uh, I just want to give you a, a question here or a thought. And that thought is, if you're writing, uh, this is something you can write down because I'm, I'm going to invite you to really, really take the time to meditate upon it. And this is the thought or the question. <coughs> Tendo, you ready? Tendo is one of the people that uh, give me joy to, to keep, keep preaching because he takes the time to actually write down what he hears when a message is being preached. I am moved and I need you to know we, no one in our house ever sat him down. So if you're writing, no one. No one did. But God bless his soul for doing that. So if you're writing, this is what I'm, I'm, I'm inviting you to write. To make things better here in Dominion Church, I am going to. Did you catch that? It is a statement, but it is blank at the end because you are going to. Sister Maria, what are you going to do with that statement? You're going to complete it. To make things better, so the key word there is better. But also there's an acknowledgement that things could be better. So we didn't say that things are bad. That is for you to evaluate. But what we are saying, whether they are bad or good, they could be. Well, it's going to be difficult to, to complete that statement if we don't uh, first uh, agree on this one. <laughs> if things, uh, as far as you're concerned, could be better, you're going to be able to complete this statement, uh, Mrs. Moganzi. To make things better in this church, Dominion Church, I am going to, so think about how you're going to complete that statement. Now, we are so used to the idea of doing. I'm wondering what some of you are thinking. You might be thinking about what you're going to do. But it, sometimes it's not just the doing that, 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 that is lacking. Sometimes also the being is, is also lacking. There's some things that you can't do. You just have to be them. For instance, humility. You have to be that. You knock yourself trying to do it. Actually, humility is one of the most weird concepts or ideas 
Because the, the moment you hear a man introduce themselves and say, my name is Eddie and I am humble, be very suspicious of that man. Because in that same breath of saying that I am humble, you've actually just demonstrated how much proud or how much uh, there are many other fancy words I could use there, but I won't go there. But the idea is the minute you say that I am humble, it's quite risky because the chances are so high that in that same breath, you are demonstrating how much you are less than humble. Other things that we do, other things that we can only be, and we're going to see why I made an emphasis on that when we come to the next scripture. Now, how is this context, the context of washing feet, relevant to that ceremony that we have today, and I have just a few minutes to be done here, and that is okay by me. When you come with us, uh, we looked at chapter 13. Now, when you look at chapter 13, there is something I want to draw your attention to, and that's really only in verse, verse 4 and verse 5. So, you got the context, that was the context I gave you. So, what is happening here? Uh, it is that night when Jesus would be crucified. Jesus has told his disciples, has given them instructions to go prepare a place where they would have Passover together. Maybe it would actually benefit you if I do uh, show you where that is. Give me Luke chapter 22, my brother, verse 8 to 14, before we do that. The Gospel of Luke, before we, then we'll come back to that. Give me Luke chapter 22. And we're going to do verse 8. May we stand as we do this? Because uh, I noticed that some of you are in the mode of praying for me. And I appreciate that. But let's do this together. Chapter is 22. The gospel is Luke. We are reading verse 8 to 14. What does it say? Jesus sent Peter and John saying, Go and make preparations for us to eat the Passover. So the us is only Jesus and the disciples, and you will see why I'm emphasizing that. This was not open to the public. It was a private meeting. Only Jesus and only the disciples. Verse 9. Where do you want us to prepare for it? They asked. Verse 10. He replied, as you enter the city, a man carrying a jar of water will meet you. Follow him to the house that he enters. And verse 11. And said to the owner of the house, the teacher asks, where is the guest room? See, technical problems. Uh, that's why sometimes I just prefer to read from my Bible. That was verse what? Verse 9? Verse 11. So my verse 11 says, for he knew. No, that, that's John. Maurice, you, uh, who is that? Benjamin, you are fired. We are going to do that uh, one more time, all of us. Now, and this time, I'm inviting you to read from your own Bible. Next verse. 
So that was verse 12. So verse 13. They left and found things just as Jesus had told them. So they prepared the Passover. And verse 14 says, When the half hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table. So what is going on here? Jesus has identified this room where they're going to have their last meal together. Only him and the disciples. To also see a little bit more about that, to appreciate that this is only Jesus and the disciples attending in this place. Let's look at Matthew chapter 26, and we just do two verses from there. Matthew chapter 26. Let's just do verse 17 and verse 18. Matthew chapter 26, verse 17 and verse 18. On the first day of the festival of unleavened bread... The disciples came to Jesus and asked, where do you want us to prepare, to make the preparations for you to eat the Passover? Now Jesus replies, go into the city to a certain man and tell him, the teacher says, my appointed time is near. I am going to celebrate the Passover with my disciples at your house. You may be seated. So what I want to emphasize here that is that in this room, the only people that were invited, and it's not like those, sometimes those days in Uganda where people would go where they're not invited as long as there is food there. Mami and I'm very happy to see you in the house of the Lord. God bless you. In those days, there, are, there were times when people would actually go to, believe it or not, Simona, people would go to birthday parties where they were not invited just because they knew there will be some food to eat. That kind of thing used to happen uh, in some places where some people grow up from, some people here. What is happening here, there's only Jesus and only the disciples. That's it. And you'll appreciate why I'm emphasizing that. So now they get to the guest room. So let's, uh, let's do this. Let's get through this uh, quickly. They get to the guest room. They, I think that do you remember the last word there when we read? They reclined at what? At the table. So they sat getting ready to eat. All right. Now, let's go back to John 13. Thank you. Somebody is with me. Let's go to John 13. Now, John 13. Do you notice what is happening in the Gospels? All these four people writing the Gospels are actually different people. They don't even know each other. Did you catch that? But there is an unbelievable amount of consistency. Not similarity. The Bible, the Gospels are not exactly the same word to word. It would defeat the whole point. The whole point of them being different is for the four different uh, authors that got used to give us uh, their perspective. But it's amazing the coherence that you find even when you read uh, from the different eyes. This was like four people watching an accident happen, and then they report the news, and then you're amazed by how coherent uh, their account is. This is what you find in the gospel. That was just a by the way on the side, just to help some of you, because uh, I know that last Sunday it came out a little bit, people wondering what to do with this Bible. It's, it's outdated. It's been written so many years ago. It's amazing how coherent and relevant 
the Bible still is for you and I. John chapter 13. John chapter 13 sets the, the reason as, uh, or gives us, gives us our, sermon, our title today. And we took that from verse 4 and from verse 5. So if you take nothing, this is what uh, I hope that this ceremony uh, brings home. So we have understood the context. There's this tradition of washing feet. Uh, uh, Jesus and his disciples are in this room. They have gathered to eat. And typically what would have happened before they sit is that they would have got their feet washed. But what happens here, if you remember the emphasis I made, in this room, how many people are there? Which people are in this room? It's only the disciples and who? And Jesus. Now, typically, in the house of a homeowner of the house, there will be a servant right by the chair near that basin. Could you give me that basin, Benjamin? Right by there, sitting, waiting to wash those dirty, dusty feet. But this time, because this room, no one else is welcome except just the disciples and Jesus. Something is missing in this room. Are you able to catch what is missing? What is missing? The servant. I love how you are attending this class. Says that. So let's read it. It's missing. So what happens? What does Jesus do when he notices that. So let's read it together. Sometimes it's very easy to put things in the, in the Bible, especially when we get excited about these kind of messages. Verse 4, it say, says what? So, he got up. Could you, could you yell that? So he did what? He got up from the meal. Sometimes some of us, once we sit at a meal, uh, even if you bring a bulldozer, I will not get up until uh, the reason as to why we sat has been accomplished. But Jesus notices something, and he does what? He gets up there, and I believe it or not, uh, my youth pastor. My youth pastor and I, we have a thing about food. We, we like food. <laughs> yeah, she will say no now, but when we are out there, she knows. And don't get me wrong, actually, Jesus is one of the people, if you notice Jesus' uh, encounters, uh, there was always food involved wherever he was. So I have a feeling he liked food. So it's not, it's not bad. Don't feel bad if any of you likes food, like I do. But Jesus notices something. What does he notice? He notices that our servant is missing. Well, he notices actually more than that. He notices the towel, he notices the basin, and he notices the absence of the servant. All right. What does he do? Let's, let's keep reading. So verse 4 says he got up from the meal. He does what? Took off his outer clothing. So he took off his, if he had been in a suit like this, he would probably have taken off the jacket, maybe and the tie, and all those fancy, maybe... Yeah, he would have taken off maybe his watch. Um, yeah, I'm just trying to bring this message home. The idea that he took off his outer garment. Some, some versions say garment. But it says he took off his outer clothing. Just try to bring that home for you. What that would be if you entered here and you notice the absence of the servant. 
what are those garments that you might have to take off? And for some of us, it might be different kind of things. Uh, I was, as I was enjoying reading this message, sometimes I really enjoy reading these messages. I saw a post somewhere that says that is your, <laughs> is your ego bigger than your servant's towel? Oh boy, it really pierced me. I'm like, oh boy, how am I, am I supposed to respond to this? The question was, is your ego bigger than your towel? Now that is for you also to, to drink some water on as I am doing myself. But the invitation for me here is for you to ponder and look that if I came to Dominion Church and I noticed that something is missing, what is it that I'm going to take off in terms of my outer clothing, my outer garments, to be able to bend low, pick up that towel, and do the job that needs to be done with that towel? And these are questions I am definitely inviting you to take some time to ponder on, to think about. What does it say? Let's read it again. So verse 4, it says, So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. Can you try to visualize that? Can you try to imagine that? And what does verse 5 say? Verse 5 says, After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. I don't know how much you appreciate the, not even just the image. Yes, the image here is very powerful, but the meaning or the message behind that and what it would have taken Jesus to be able, first of all, to notice. How many of us actually take the time to notice things around Dominion Church? So keep in mind, we are talking about what? Dominion Church. Do you take the time to notice? You notice that I, I phrase most of my things in, in questions, and the, the reason for that is to invite you to think. Uh, that's exactly how Jesus uh, helped uh, all of us. Uh, if we pay attention to the Bible, many times he used I'll give you a minute to keep thinking. I, I can hear you thinking. That's how loud you are thinking. Something about Jesus was already there for him to have been able to, first of all, notice. I feel like I should say a little bit more about noticing. There's a story about a, a boy a fugitive, uh, that's the, the, the tale. Anybody knows a fugitive? Raila, you know a fugitive? <laughs> Caleb, you know who a fugitive is? Like that guy in the movie who runs away, and now the enemy is really pursuing him, but this time they're really pursuing him really seriously to kill him. So this, this boy, fugitive, he runs away, and he runs to this village. When he gets to this village, the village was very nice and welcoming, so they take him in. 
I think naturally we, we tend to do that when we see that somebody's in trouble and is being pursued by bad people. It's natural to hide them so that the bad people do not kill them. That is what was happening. So this village received the boy. The enemy gets to the village and <laughs> gives an announcement that in 24 hours, if you do not produce this boy, I am going to put the set the whole village on fire. Now, there's a minister who is in charge of this village. News gets to him. Now, he's really conflicted. Try maintain hiding this boy and let the whole village uh, be burned down to fire or do I surrender this boy? Now, the minister is struggling to make a decision. He goes to his Bible. He reads his Bible, he takes all the time, he has 24 hours, so that's a long time to be in the Bible. At some point around the end of the 24th hour, he lands on a place in the Bible where it says that it is better that one man should die than losing the whole people. He bases his decision on that, and he orders that the boy be handed over to the enemy. Sure enough, the boy was handed over to the enemy. But that night, this minister could not sleep. He was really troubled. He was bothered by the thing he did. And an angel visits this man. And during the exchange, the angel says to the man, to the minister, that do you realize that the one you just handed over is the Messiah? Or the angel minister turns to the angel and says, how on earth could I have known that? Or the angel says, only you had visited this boy and just look in his eyes, that would have been enough for you to notice that he is the Messiah. If only you had taken the time to visit this boy, Mr. Chisito, not just visit, but also look the boy in the eyes, that would have been enough for you to notice what there is notice that he is the Messiah. I thought I, I would say a little bit more about noticing and I will leave that at that for you. How much in your thought process do you put the time to actually notice things that are happening in people's eyes? One of the things that Jesus did there was to notice now, there is a lot that Jesus did in that, but what I want to draw your attention to is that he had to have a certain kind of mindset that would have led him to be able, first of all, to notice, to pick it up, and to do something with it. So, look at what happened here. Just in this one verse, he noticed the towel, he picked it up. Well, that's even before picking it up. So, he noticed the towel, he takes off his fancy suit, like this one. He reclines, just enough to reach the basin. You, uh, typically, it is on the ground. So he reclines, picks it up, picks the towel, and does something with that towel. He doesn't just wrap the towel around him and dance maganda, like my son calls it. No, he actually does something with this towel which he picked up. Now, here is the mindset 
that you and I would have to need if we are going to even attempt to do those three things. The noticing, bending low enough, pick it up, and actually use it. Give me Philippians chapter 2, my brother, as we conclude our miracle. We realize that for, for you and I to be able to do what Jesus did, there is a certain kind of mindset that we must have. Now, I, I didn't have to think away from the Bible to catch this kind because the Bible is very good at uh, pointing us into directions exactly where we need to go. What does it say, my brother? It says, in your relationships with one another, have the same what? Oh, I want to read that one more time. Have the same mindset. Now, mindset is a short word, but it's so big. Mindset is one of the most difficult thing, and my counselor, I do that kind of job, and sometimes I, I get really good com compliments about it. But mindset is one of the most difficult things to change because a mindset is our, our if you can think of a miracle is wearing uh, lenses. Imagine that that lens had a certain color in it. That glass had a certain color and it may be blue. No matter how much miracle tries, it is going to be very difficult for her to see anything without seeing it as, as blue. That's what a mindset is. It, it grips you. It takes over how you think how you act, how you behave, takes over even how you feel. Now, Jesus had a certain mindset, and the Bible is inviting you and I that in our relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus Christ did. And let's take a look at that mindset. What is the mindset? Next verse, uh, my brother. Who, huh, watch this, being in the very nature of God. So these are the titles of Jesus. Jesus was humble, but he was very aware of how powerful he was. These are his ranks. He's aware that in his nature, he's what? He's God. But even with that awareness, so that I don't know what your rank is. <laughs> Jesus' rank was what? God. That was his rank. I don't know what yours is. But he says, even being aware of that rank, it is what? He did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Could you take a minute with that? He did not consider his rank as something to use to his mindset advantage. So that word there, if you want to put it in one word, the word there in terms of a mindset, it is selflessness. Selflessness. But let's read further. Rather, so instead of what? 
Stay with me. Instead of what? So the what brother there is telling us that instead of doing the thing behind we just read before, which is what? Considering his rank, uh, using his rank to his own advantage. So instead of that, he instead did what? He made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human likeness. And what is that nature of a servant? That is the one who is going to be able to notice, to bend, pick it up, and actually do something with it. And that is how, if you want to think of the, the, the doing part, that is how we make things better. But also there's the being part in that. <coughs> and that is the selflessness. And this next verse, verse 8, gives us the other two components of the mindset that Jesus had, which are, and being found in appearance as a man, he did what? Let's read that seven times. He did what? <coughs> that is one time. May we stand as we read the next three times. He humbled himself. He humbled himself by becoming what? Obedient. By becoming what? Obedient. By becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. to make things better in this church we call Dominion Church. I am going to, and I invite you to contemplate on what you're going to write there, what you're going to do from this moment on to live in that mindset, the same mindset that Jesus himself had, that mindset of humility, that mindset of obedience, that mindset of selflessness. And I can promise you this one thing, that when you sincerely seek to be, now focus on the word be, if you sincerely seek to be those things, and what are those things? To be selfless, to be humble, to be obedient. If you seek sincerely to be those things, the same God that has invited you to do that, to put on that kind of mindset, is the same God that is going to give you and I the enablement, the power, the strength, the discipline that it takes to live up to those desires. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word that has come and we know that it is never late. It is never delayed. It is always on time. And God, for that man and woman who is receiving that with open heart, with open mind, I know and I trust with so much confidence that you will give that man, that woman, the strength, the courage, the enablement they need to live up that mindset that you have invited and challenged all of us to take on. Thank you for Christ. Thank you for the model. Thank you for the example that Jesus set for us. And God, difficult as it is, we 
We present ourselves to you as children, as students, as learners that will be taught of your word, will be taught by your word. God, even in this same breath, I come to you with a repentant spirit, asking for your forgiveness for, for the times we've done things that are the exact opposite of the mindset that you're inviting us to take on. For the damage that has created within and among us. But also because you allowed it to happen, God, I know and I trust that from that, good things are yet to come for every single one of us as individuals, as, as families, and as a body of Christ. That the world that it will live even after us will testify to the goodness of this seed that has been planted today in every single one of us. Thank you, Holy Spirit. May your reigns be sure. The same way you have planted this seed, may your reigns be sure to come this seed will blossom to the glory of your name through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let's stay on our feet as we thank God for the wonderful word that we just had today. Hallelujah. Let's praise God.